The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're taking a closer look at the origins of Mother's Day, the second Sunday of May, when wayward sons and daughters finally make that call to their mothers, or at least send a text. The day was May 9th, 1914. By order of presidential proclamation, Mother's Day was officially established as a national holiday in the United States. Woodrow Wilson issued the announcement directing government officials to display the American flag on government buildings and for private citizens to do the same in their homes. This observance was to be made on the second Sunday of May as, quote, a public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. By the time President Wilson made Mother's Day official, many individual states had already celebrated such a holiday for several years. As you can probably tell from the language of the proclamation, the holiday was intended to be more solemn and reverent than it's often treated today. That's because, contrary to popular belief, Mother's Day wasn't the invention of greeting card companies, florists, or restaurants as a way to boost their business. Instead, it took shape as part of an ongoing women's movement. The original push for a nationally recognized Mother's Day is generally attributed to three American women. 
Anne Reeves Jarvis, Julia Ward Howe, and Anne Jarvis's daughter, Anna M. Jarvis. The idea began with Anne Reeves Jarvis, an Appalachian homemaker, Sunday school teacher, and lifelong social activist. In 1858, Mother Jarvis, as she came to be known, began organizing Mother's Day work clubs in towns throughout western Virginia. These community events were aimed at improving health and sanitary conditions for young mothers and their children, and often included lessons on childcare. Three years later, when the Civil War broke out, Jarvis expanded the mission of the work clubs to address the new challenges that the conflict placed on families. Determined to keep the community together despite the growing political divide, Jarvis encouraged her clubs to offer aid to supporters of both the Confederacy and the Union alike. As a result, the women's clubs provided food, clothing, and medical treatment to soldiers from both sides of the battlefield. In this way, they strive to be mothers to all. Following the war, Jarvis and her clubs were called upon to help heal the community divide in West Virginia. To this end, Jarvis organized a Mother's Friendship Day at the Taylor County Courthouse. Held in 1868, the event brought together former Union and Confederate soldiers and their families for a day of food, fellowship, and music. As you may have noticed, Mother's Friendship Day and Mother's Day work clubs were not celebrations of mothers. They were community outreach programs led by mothers. However, Anne Reeves Jarvis also had the idea of a day on which mothers got their due. In 1876, she concluded one of her Sunday school lessons by sharing this fervent wish with her students, including one of her own daughters, Anne. I hope and pray, Jarvis said, that someone, sometime, will found a memorial Mother's Day commemorating her for the matchless service she renders to humanity in every field of life. She is entitled to it. We'll talk about how Anne carried on her mother's wish in a moment, but first, I want to acknowledge the contribution of Julia Ward Howe. A contemporary of Anne Reeves Jarvis, Howe was another deeply patriotic and community-minded woman. She wrote the lyrics to the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and led relief efforts for the widows and orphans of Civil War soldiers, again on both sides. In 1870, with the horrors of the Civil War still a recent memory, and the Franco-Prussian War just beginning in Europe, Howe urged mothers around the world to join together in a call for peace. To get the ball rolling, she began organizing an annual event in Boston called Mother's Peace Day. This early version of Mother's Day was held in Boston and other towns for about 30 years. However, it was primarily celebrated by peace activists and war protesters, and was never widely adopted by the general public. The next step in the crusade to honor mothers didn't come until 1907, when Anna M. Jarvis took up the cause after her own mother's death two years earlier. Anna remembered her mother's wish for a memorial Mother's Day and held a private service in her honor on May 9, 1907, the two-year anniversary of her death. The following year, Anna organized the first public observance of Mother's Day at the Andrews Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia, the very church where her mother had taught Sunday school. 
The service was held on the morning of May 10th, 1908, the second Sunday of the month. And though Anna did not attend personally, she did provide 500 white carnations to be worn by all the sons and daughters in attendance. The white carnation was meant to represent the purity of a mother's love, but it also carried a more personal meaning for Anna. It was her mother's favorite flower. In the years to come, the carnation would become a Mother's Day staple, with red carnations signifying honor for a mother who was still living, and white representing the memory of a mother who had passed away. Little by little, Anna Jarvis furthered her campaign to create a national day honoring mothers. Two years after achieving local recognition in Grafton, Jarvis succeeded in getting her home state, West Virginia, to officially adopt the holiday. Other states quickly followed suit, eventually prompting a joint resolution in Congress to make Mother's Day a national observance. The resolution sailed through both houses with ease, and on May 9, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed the bill into law. You might think the story ends there, with victory for Anna Jarvis, who was able to fulfill her own mother's wish. But unfortunately, the idea of a legal holiday devoted to mothers proved less than satisfying to Jarvis in practice. Things went well initially, and for the first several years, Mother's Day was the simple, respectful affair that Anna had always hoped for. Church services were held in honor of mothers, and signs of affection were publicly displayed for mothers both living and dead. However, by the early 1920s, Mother's Day had become a much more commercial affair. Florists, candy makers, and greeting card companies had seized on the holiday as a promising new revenue stream. This eventually led Anna Jarvis to disavow the holiday she had fought so long to secure. She began urging the public to boycott the industries that exploited the day, calling them, quote, charlatans, bandits, pirates, racketeers, kidnappers, and termites that would undermine with their greed one of the finest, noblest, and truest movements and celebrations. Jarvis believed these companies were hollowing out the heartfelt holiday, removing the effort that sincere affection required. A printed card means nothing, she wrote except that you are too lazy to write to the woman who has done more for you than anyone in the world. And candy, you take a box to mother and then eat most of it yourself. A pretty sentiment. Jarvis continued her war on Mother's Day well into her old age. In her late 70s, she even started a petition to rescind the holiday and went door to door to collect signatures. Her campaign was finally put to an end in the mid-1940s when she was committed to the Marshall Square Sanitarium in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Unbeknownst to her, the bills for her care there were largely paid for by her enemies, a group of florists and greeting card manufacturers. It was their way of saying thanks to the mother of Mother's Day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Oh, and happy Mother's Day to the best moms in the world, mine and yours. 
lastly, thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show. And thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.